Oh boy. Oh boy. I know I say that a lot. I say that a lot, but guys. Oh boy. I mean it tonight. I mean it tonight, and hello, Anthony and Jake, and oh my golly, guys, people are piling into the show already because it's almost as if they heard it's gonna get bonkers up in here. I'm just, I'm having a sip of beer. Let me have a sip, and I'll tell you what I'm having a sip of. It's not what we're drinking tonight. Mmm. Oh, that's my beloved. That's Bone Shaker. Now, I wouldn't typically drink a bone shaker right before I'm going to sit down with my friends on the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier, because bone shaker, it's not for the faint of heart. It packs, I think what the the technical term is, uh, it packs a wallop. Oh, hey, babe, that was early. Uh, That's what it packs. And I'm not even remotely afraid of that tonight. Do you want to know why? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you. It's because tonight we're drinking this. Yes, yes. This, if you're not watching the videos where I'm holding the bottle up, is a 2021 bottle, a bomber bottle, no less, 650 milliliters of Amsterdam's Double Tempest barrel-aged Imperial Stout. I'm not messing around tonight, kids. Did I have cans of the regular Tempest in my fridge? Yes. Will I drink those and really enjoy them? Without a doubt. But is the big show the Double Tempest barrel-aged Imperial Stout? I'm not going to waste your time here, guys. If we're going to go, we're going to go big. And so that's what we're doing tonight. Now, some considerations. I have nice glassware tonight. This is a Spiegelau tulip glass. Not 100% sure how clean it is. Ben drinks milk out of this on the reg. And I know for the beer geeks, that's going to be a problem, but I don't care. I did give it a cursory scrub with my foxtail brush and some nice hot water. Can have another sip of that bone shaker. Because Ken, Tonight we drink because tomorrow we die or something like that. I'm not going to die tomorrow, but I can adhere to the first half of that. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, hey, Stormstead just turned up. Hello, Stormstead. Uh, what was I saying? I got nice glassware because this is a beer that demands nice glassware. Now, this is a beer that might require some specialized equipment because you see Amsterdam's Double Tempest barrel-aged imperial stout if you're looking at the video you might notice the top of that bottle doesn't look like the normal bottles that you drink and that's because this has been wax dipped why do we do this well ostensibly wax provides a superior seal around the crown cap it's completely impervious to air top secret so is the cap yes sometimes caps fail And in the rare case that the cap might fail in a way that the wax wouldn't, the wax is going to help. But for the most part, this is what we call window dressing. A wax bottle has the look of a bottle that you're planning on keeping for a while. Now, I have two of these. These are not cheap bottles of beer, for the record. I want to say they were 17 bucks a piece. It's impressive. And, uh... 
so you might want to get one and maybe two and lay one down. That's what I'm doing, but I am opening this one for you tonight. Now, waxed top, what are you going to do? Years ago, people were really moaning about the Amsterdam uh, waxed uh, tops on the Tempest. I made a very uh, tongue-in-cheek video on YouTube. I bet you can find it if you search my name, Chris Schreier, and like something like waxed bottles or something. It's probably there. I'd say I would put the link in the uh, description, but that's not going to happen because that's going to take effort and time. I don't feel like doing it. Look it up. It won't be hard to find. But I'm going to show you a real, if you're watching the video, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to have to talk you through it. A real simple way around this. The way that I did it in the video, I used a, a paring knife and I cut a notch of the wax out so that I could get purchase from the uh, church key bottle opener, not the brand beer church key, this type of bottle opener. This is called the church key. Um, but I also, I think in that video, I showed what I'm about to do. Um, which I find works 90% of the time and I bet it's going to work today. So uh, just by the way, if you're listening to the podcast viewers, please bear with me a moment. Um, the bottle neck has been dipped. It looks like at least twice to my eye in, um, I mean, it's food grade wax, but it's a fairly thick wax Certainly, you can't just grab it with a bottle opener. There's no, there's, there's nothing to gain purchase on with the lip of your bottle opener. But I have experience in these matters. What I'm going to do, if you're looking at the video, I have to do this on, no, I can do it like that. That's on both cameras at the same time. The little bit that you use to hook under the crown cap that's the secret. We're going to use that a little bit like a knife. We're going to take it. It's going to be really hard to see on camera here. And I'm going to just drag it through the wax. And that's going to get me purchase on the crown cap. And if I've been a good little Christmas bunny and I've dragged my bottle cap properly in just a second, we should hear, sorry, I'm just, I've got wax bits falling on me, the fruits of my labor. And they sound, I hope, like this. That's an open bottle. No special tools required. Admittedly, a little more effort than if I was just opening a can of beer. But have you read Spent Grains, the craft beer zine? Because I do mention in it, sometimes it's the things in life take a bit of doing that are worth doing. And that's the case here. That is a perfectly opened waxed bottle thing. It actually almost looks like there's still a cap on it in the video. I can assure you there isn't. That's the cap right there. And we're going to pour this out. I'm going to have one more sip of Bone Shaker just for good luck. I feel like Bone Shaker takes care of me. That probably is indicative of some sort of a problem, but we don't have to deal with that tonight. Mmm. Oh, I do like Bone Shaker, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about this Double Tempest barrel-aged Imperial Stout. I am pouring it right now, if you're listening to the podcast. I did that intentionally audible for all those folks listening on their, their drive to work, maybe, or maybe you're washing the dishes. I don't know what you do when you listen to podcasts, but... 
Now, I notice that in both the videos, I can see the reflections of my screens, which also includes a very meta reflection of me, although you might not realize that. Anyway, the point of the matter is this is a black beer with, um, I would call that a khaki, a very dark tan. Some people would call that, as I'm swirling it and getting a little bit more color and it's even darkened up a little bit, like mocha head. It's a, it's a nice brown head. It's thick. I've already got aromas pouring off this thing. Uh, let's just do it. I don't need to tell you about what I'm getting. I'm just going to tell you about what I'm getting. Uh, if you held this glass of beer in front of my face and I was blindfolded and I had no idea what I was smelling, if you just stuck this in front of my nose, I'd go, is that Double Tempest from Amsterdam? My gosh, it's chocolate. It's uh, some sort of bourbon barrel. It's oaky. There's a touch of... It's not quite ash, but a, like a, a charcoaly, like ashy kind of thing. Not like cigarette tray, not like ashtray, but like an ashy quality. There's burnt sugar. There's molasses. There's something um, vanilla-y. That's probably the bourbon now that I think about it, because I'm, I'm almost positive this was in a bourbon barrel. Um, could be wrong, but I'm, I'm getting a dose of vanilla that makes me think bourbon all the way. There's like a creamy quality to it in, in the smell, like almost like a, it's not like lactose there. I, I'm almost positive there isn't lactose in here, but like a milky, creamy, sugary quality. Oh, actually almost more like, um, what's that thing called? Uh, uh, when you take like cream and you reduce it down until all the water's gone and then it caramelizes Dolce de Leche. It's almost like that. And again, that works with the caramelized sugar thing. But there's a, a very, it's almost, again, milky, milk fatty. Oh, there's uh, I just want to drink it. Why do I have to spend so much time on the nose? Did I say coffee, by the way? Coffee's in there, too, with the chocolate. There's um, there's a smell I almost don't want to describe, but it's very intriguing and it's not at all off-putting. It's very sub subtle. Um, oh, there's something almost nutty, almost hazelnutty. Um, but the thing that I was talking about, it's still there. Again, I, I hesitate to tell you this. I don't want to put you off because you're going to only smell chocolate and a bit of coffee and some smoke and a lot of vanilla. Um, there's just a touch of, um, well, of sweat. Not in a bad way. Not like in a B.O. way, but there's a hint of sweat. I kind of like it. It's not me, I don't think. Hang on, let me see. No, I smell great. Well, I smell fine. I don't smell great. I smell fine. It's not me. What is that smell? 
something reminiscent. Sweat isn't quite the right word, but there's like a, I almost want to say like a ripeness. It's not Brett either. This, this is not a Brettanomyces beer as far as I know. Um, sometimes you can get like horse sweat. It's not like that. That's a different kind of thing. There's just a, almost a ripeness to this. Well, actually, you know what it's a bit like? It's a little, it's not cheesy, but again, with that dairy thing, I don't know. I'm going to drink it, guys. Here's the thing about this beer. The bigger the beer, the more time you can spend just completely being insufferable about it. When really, the fastest thing would be to just stick it in your face. Mmm. Mmm. Well, we've had a good show tonight. I'm going to leave you all now and drink this beer. I'm not allowed to do that. Um, that is a sweet. Oh, my gosh. Vanilla, bourbony, slightly smoky. It's interesting. The chocolate's there, but it's much less pronounced. So the the, the <laughs> I don't even know where to begin to explain this beer to you. Did I mention it's 11.9%? And did I also... Oh, I don't know how much I should say about this. Let's explain this to you like this. The highest percentage, at least the last I heard, I don't know if they've changed this. The highest percentage uh, a beer can be in Ontario and still be considered a beer... I believe is 12%, might be 14, um, but I, I believe it's 12%. Um, Amsterdam, and we don't have any reason not to believe them on this, has said on this label that this is 11.9%, so it's under 12%. From a taxation point of view, it's a beer. No questions asked. Again, this is older information. I haven't had a conversation with anybody at the LCBO in quite some time, but certainly the last time I was aware... Um, if a beer is a strong beer, which is to say over 5.5, I think it's over 5.5 or it might be over six. Um, the LCBO's margin for error on alcohol content listed on the label, um, is 0.5% plus or minus. So, it was, so a full percentage point. So if you had a beer and you said it was 7%, but it was 6.5, that's totally fine. They're fine with that. If you said it's 7%, and it was 7.5, they're also fine. Um, you've, got, you've got a whole unit of one uh, wiggle in there. Um, so when they say 11.9, could it be 12.4 legally? Yep, it could be. That would be within the margin for error. And the other thing is, Amsterdam doesn't make much of this, and they certainly don't sell much of it at the LCBO. I do believe they've, in the past, sold bottles at the LCBO. And certainly, th their requirements as a brewery is the same as if it was being sold at the LCBO. They, they can't play fast and loose. Um, but it would also take somebody at the LCBO to lab test this and find out what its actual alcohol content was. If they wanted to disagree with the listing of 11.9%. And um, from where I'm sitting, I don't disagree. I think it tastes great. <laughs> This is a very boozy, sweet Imperial Stout. 
This is a very boozy sweet imperial stout that's clearly spent a not insignificant amount of time in I'm almost positive bourbon barrels. The question is could I tell you which bourbon barrels and that is probably out of my ken, not least because I don't drink as much bourbon as I used to, if you'll indulge me. You know Malcolm Gladwell talks about the blink reaction. Sometimes if you just spend enough time doing something, you can't even necessarily always understand why you know a thing. You just say go. And my just go is that's Buffalo Trace. But that's just a guess. I know who I could ask. Um, and maybe I will. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the Instagram here. No, I won't do it. I was going to text Ian right now, but I'm, I don't know if I... If I step away from the Instagram, if the feed goes away, and I don't want to do that. It's not that important. Buffalo Trace is my guess. Just a guess. Uh, lots of vanilla, bourbony, oaky. Then we get into the malts. The malts on the palate show tons of burnt sugar. Um, there is um, a bit of cocoa, a bit of chocolate, and um, I hope you don't think I'm being uh, pedantic, but cocoa and chocolate taste different. Cocoa is dry. Um, powdery, uh, often has hints of uh, dark berries to it. Um, chocolate, of course, also has cocoa butter and sugar. It's, it's when we think about chocolate, that's what we're talking about. Cocoa is chocolatey, but it's different. So this has both cocoa and chocolate, but predominantly burnt sugar. Um, think like the top of a creme brulee, which is interesting to bring up because there is a real creaminess to this beer. And that that's partially in the body that I'm feeling uh, on the palate. That was also partially I was talking about smelling something creamy. Again, I'm fairly confident there's no... I'm not going to read the label yet. I, I'm fairly confident there's no lactose in here. That's not what this beer is about, I, I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's something else is going on. Um, it could just be from the wildly huge volumes of of malts in there something going on uh also on the palate give me one second i need another sip mm. the undertone on the malts is maris otter i think um there's a biscuity quality to it um, but man, it's so sweet. <laughs> this beer is just crazy. And it's going to get me really looped, too. That's a little worrying. I'm supposed to go to the gym tomorrow morning. Um, that might not happen. We'll have to see. Gonna have to get some water down me, too, tonight, because this beer is massive. Uh, did I mention smoky? Burnt sugar um, has a bit of smoke to it. Uh, to the, the flavor uh, component. There's also a smoky quality that I th think... Actually, let me have another sip. Yeah, I'm going to go back on what I was about to say. I was about to say the smoky quality could just be the barrel, but it's not. Um, it's also the malts. Burnt sugar and the taste of... I'm not entirely sure, but it could be black patent malt. But... Um, uh, th that's where that, again, these words, 
when I use them, I don't always mean negative things, but I think people hear negative things. So if I say acrid, acrid just sounds bad, but there's an acridness to smoke that in the right amount is just that. It's like if you burn, like set fire to and burn the outside of a marshmallow, it gets an acrid taste to it. It's not, well, for some people, a lot of people, it's not um, unappealing. Some people it is, but that's a whole nother ball of wax. That's not a taste that is inherently bad. It's just some people dislike it, but other people love it. Um, there is a touch of, of, of smoky acridness. Acridity, is that a word? To this. Mm. Huh. And rum. I know that there's bourbon from the barrel. I think the rum, uh, that's something that's coming off the sugars from the malts. It's not got rum in it. Well, I don't know, actually. Maybe some of it was aged in rum barrels. Yeah, there's a real brown, sugary, molassesy, rummy kind of quality to it. Um, getting into... <laughs> so, by the way, those are the things that immediately pop out. <laughs> What else is there? Well, there's black jammy fruits, uh, figs and dates for sure. Mm. There's like a cherry preserve thing going on. Not, not fresh cherries, sugar soaked cherries. Everything in this is going to be sugar soaked because it's a very sweet beer. Um, Leather, definitely leather. Mmm. Leather, wet leather. You remember when I said I smelled something a little sweaty? It's wet leather. Yes. That took a minute. I haven't had a beer this complicated in a long time, and this one's really working me over here. Definitely wet leather. Think like um, like a baseball mitt in in the rain. Wet leather. Definitely. Oh, uh, hang on. Something um, not floral in the sense of like a New England IPA. There's a flowery quality here. What's that? That's um, hmm. It's elusive. There's a like a perfuminess. It's not lavender quite, but it's got, yeah, it's got something like that. Not lavender, it's not rosemary, but there's a resiny kind of flower thing. It's hard to get because there's so much of the, the other stuff I've just talked about. Oh, yeah, can't quite grab that. There's something nicely floral. Oh, sorry, we've had, um... Uh, Justin said, uh, below 5.6, you're allowed 0.5 either way. Okay. That's below 5 points. Sorry, uh, reading a question here from somebody who knows the LCBO rules much better than me. Thank you, Justin. Uh, below 5.6, so that's not strong beer. You're allowed 0.5 either way. That's what I was saying. Above 5.6, you're allowed 1% either way. So it's a 
2% gap. So an 11.9% beer could legally still be okay at 12.9%. Thank you for that clarification. I was, I was in the ballpark, but I had all the numbers wrong. So now we have clarification. Uh, yeah, so uh, plus or minus 1% in the strong beer category for a, a range of 2%. That's crazy. Um, let me get back to this for a second here. Yeah, nice. Um, if I could geek out with you for a minute here, the cocoa uh, flavor profile shows a bit of berries. So be careful here. This beer does not taste like berries, but when you think about the cocoa profile, it tastes like blueberries and blackberries, the cocoa. And also it's not Dutch process. It's traditional cocoa between you and me. One of the problems with this kind of a beer is uh, it's 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 ripe for insufferable idiots like myself to really nuance the crap out of this. Hmm. OK, what are the takeaways? Burnt sugar, creme brulee. Little smoke. Not a ton of coffee, to be honest with you. More on the on the nose. Uh, wet leather. Uh, again, Maris Otter, I think, a biscuity multi quality. Oh, actually, <laughs> another thing that just occurred to me. Part of that florally thing that I was chasing, I think, is the hops. It's almost more leafy than florally. There's a botanical. Botanical maybe would have been a better word to have reached for. Sorry, again, I haven't done something like this in a long time. It's evergreeny. Sprucey. It's sprucey. That's, that's what it is. That's why it was resinous and sort of floral. It's spruce. It's like spruce tips. I uh, don't know what the hop is on this. I'm going to go to the bottle in a second. If I had to guess, it's something... I bet it's New World. Um, one of the big, badass alpha acid hops. Um, pardon me. Yeah, it's it's spruce tips. That's what I was smelling. Spruce tips. Okay, I'm going to go to the bottle, and then we're going to talk about food. It's going to be boring. I'm going to say don't eat. But we'll deal with that in a minute. Double Tempest 2021 aging instruction seller for one to three years in an upright position. Good advice. It doesn't have a cork. If it has a cork on its side, if it has a cap upright or if it's can upright. Oh, uh, tasting notes. This year's Double Tempest has aromas of figgy pudding. Yeah, dark fruits, dried plums. That's also dark fruits. Uh, that lead into notes of milk chocolate and vanilla as the beer opens up. Sweet dulce de leche, yeah, I got that, balances the warmth of this extra strong beer that was aged in fresh bourbon barrels for eight months. Does not tell me 
much more than that. Interesting that they note both Dolce de Leche, which I agree with, and milk chocolate. It almost does make me wonder if maybe there is a bit of lactose in there because there was a really milky, creamy quality, not just in the, the mouthfeel, but in the aroma and the taste. Um, could be. Don't don't know one way or the other. Again, I know who does know. I just don't want to. Anyway. Um, oh, this is so good. Seriously so good. Mm-mm-mm. What are you going to eat with this? I double dare you to tell me something. What are you going to eat that's going to keep up with that? You could eat a creme brulee, and it might not keep up with that beer. Creme brulee, just to remind you, made with uh, uh, whole cream, eggs, and sugar, and then uh, and vanilla, and then uh, coated on top with sugar, which is caramelized. It is fatty, rich deliciousness, and I bet this beer would bury it. And I mean, like, bury it. Like, you'd be like, oh, it's kind of cold and creamy and a little crunchy on top. Not getting a lot of other things because the beer is already doing all the things that that dessert would do. Would you eat it with a main? I mean, hmm, would you? You could. There aren't beer police, thank the Lord. Uh, but why would you? This, hey, if you were going to drink some port, drink this instead. That's what we're talking about, okay? This is a digestif. It's a, think of it as a liqueur for after dinner. You want to know what you're going to pair this with? A cigar. That's what you should pair it with, or a pipe, if you prefer a pipe. And none of your wacky tobacco kids, or my wacky tobacco. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to pair it with a pipe, okay? Oh, I'm going to have to dust off some pipe knowledge right now. Um... Oh, what's that? <laughs> this is part of the problem. The main type of pipe tobacco, which is very distinctive. Uh, you want that, but look for a blend. What, what is that called? I have to look this up. One second. Pipe tobacco. Um, yeah, Brigham and Moore, by the way. If you want, uh, if you want good uh, pipe tobacco in Toronto. You, uh, you can't do much better than Brigham and Moore. Uh, what is... Yeah, yeah, history, principal parts. That's the pipe. This is all about pipes. I don't care about the shape of the pipe. What I care about... Yeah, briar, clay. I know all of this stuff. Wait, am I in pipes on Wikipedia? Oh, yeah, I'm in tobacco pipes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Tobacco. Oh, yeah. Latakia. Latakia. This is a fire-cured spiced tobacco of Syrian origin. Now made in other regions such as Cyprus and Lebanon. Latakia. Look for a blend that's like 30 to 50% this. You want that spicy, aggressive... Uh, uh, pop, but then you want some smoother mellow notes too, but that would work really nice. Uh, cigars, let me blow your mind. 
hey, I know all the kids like their Connecticut Shade Leaf wrappers, and far be it for me to uh, uh, rain on that parade. Nice cigars, but go for a nice dark Cameroonian um, uh, wrapper, maybe a Robusto, looking for something on the spicy end of the uh, equation. I had some really nice cigars in Nicaragua that were um, significantly more spicy, less uh, mellow and leathery. Play up some of that spice. Something this beer is not long on is spices. So anything that you can add that will work with that, I think is gonna go really cool with this beer. Uh, if you don't smoke anything, uh, wacky or otherwise, uh, just enjoy this beer on its own. I will always tell you, uh, an Imperial Stout like this, you would be surprised what it can do with the really far out to the side uh, funky cheeses. Blues, especially blues. You ever have uh, Roaring Forties? It's a smoked blue, very salty, very, um, like, I was gonna say sour is not quite the right word, but moldy, like a ton of funk, very salty blue cheese. Um, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, because salty and the funk with this sweet, creamy, smoky thing, but you'd be amazed how well they can work together. Really nice. Um, similarly, but to a lesser extent, really, really messed up cheddars can also work well uh, with a big imperial stout like this. What's funny about a beer like this, it actually doesn't work well with a lot of cheeses. Um, like 90% of the cheeses out there, it just... You don't taste the cheese. The beer just destroys it. And then some of those cheeses are just too messed up. They don't really work with anything. But there's a little window of cheese. Um, and, and, and also, interestingly, um, some of those are cheeses that you might not necessarily think that you like. And maybe you're right. But with the right beer and like a beer like this, it could be enough to, again, in a pairing, we look for the two elements to form a partnership that is better what's they say it's, it's greater than the sum of its parts that's what we're looking for and that could actually deliver you the opportunity maybe you don't like smoky salty funky messed up blue cheeses but you might like them with this beer because this beer is so massive um, it's doing things to your mouth that your mouth is just not used to and all of a sudden it's like hey as long as we're doing this, have a bit of that. And you go, oh, all right, that actually tasted pretty good. And then you have that cheese like two days later without the beer. And you're like, that's the grossest thing ever. Um, we need a hazmat suit to deal with this cheese. But in the moment, it tasted pretty good. That's what we're doing with this beer. I'm going to have another sip. And then I'm going to talk at you for a minute. And then I'm going to get out of here. Because I knew this one was going to go long. And it has. Oh gosh, I like that beer. That's amazing. So hey, did you go down to uh, Amsterdam for either Calm Before the Storm on Friday, which we haven't even talked about, uh, the event or the beer? I'll tell you about the beer. The event was an event. Uh, or did you go down on Saturday? I did not because I'm an old man. I picked these up on Sunday. Because <laughs> again, old man. Calm Before the Storm, incidentally, when you make a beer this big, uh, 
there's so much malt in the mash tun, uh, and you want such a high uh, sugar wort, you can't extract all of the usable brewable sugar out of that. So once they have the runnings for the beer, they'll run more water through the mash tun, basically to like rinse out is the way you can think of it, the remaining fermentable sugar. And they make a mild called Calm Before the Storm. Now, I don't know if they did that this year. I think they do it every year. Uh, that's why the, the name of the event the day before the release is Calm Before the Storm. But Calm Before the Storm, it's, it's the same malt bill in that it's actually literally the exact same malt bill. It's just it's the second running of the same malt bill. So what you end up with is like a four point something percent uh, English mild. Really nice beer for the most part. Um, a lot of the same flavor components are there, but like just way more muted. Uh, a very, very, very cool beer and a great idea. And I say great idea. It's something brewers have done historically for a long time. It's not their idea. It's just cool that they do it. Um, so did you get down for it? I didn't. But uh, always a great event. Black Friday. A lot of people do an Imperial Stout. Um, Muddy York all month has been doing their Inkwell Stouts and their final one uh, dropped, obviously, on Friday. Uh, Amsterdam had their Double Tempest and uh, Left Fields um, put out their Blackburn uh, Imperial Stout. Have not picked up any of that yet, but I, I look forward to it. I think I've missed the boat on the Inkwell. Those ones flew. Um, and uh, the other thing that I did pick up, it's not an Imperial Stout, but... Uh, this guy? Mm -hmm. hmm. Oh, is it this guy? Uh, yes. Yes. Kintsugi from Godspeed. This is an interesting one. It's, uh, it's a barrel-aged mega blend of Godspeed's three original flagship beers and a mixed fermentation saison. It's not an Imperial Stout. Uh, I'm actually not even entirely sure when I'm going to drink it now that I think about it, but I am excited by it. A lot of crazy cool beers just dropped this past weekend. Uh, check out those breweries' websites because a lot of them are still available. Certainly still Double Tempest to be had um, at the brewery, um, at all, well, as I say, all three locations. I don't know, does the Barrel House have a retail aspect? Because the brewery is right across the road. Anyway, Brewery on a Sander and uh, Alan Queenski, I'm sure, has this. Uh, again, don't know if this is making it to the LCBO, but uh, if it does, it's worth picking up. And like I say, I mean, I know COVID's been tough on everybody. It's not a cheap bottle of beer. It does age really, really well. I think at one point I had a four or a five-year-old Tempest, and it was wild so much of the uh, fruits have dropped out at that point, that wet leather gone. What you end up with is very powdery dry cocoa, um, lots of interesting woody notes, um, some of the bourbon character. It gets really interesting. Um, it's definitely a really fun beer, especially if you're not the kind of person who tends to age beers. And I'll be honest with you, at this point in my life, I am not the kind of person who ages beers. Um, it's an interesting... And, and very uh, safe beer to age. Some beers, 
what you end up with is a thing that's interesting, but not necessarily tasty. Um, I mean, I can't guarantee things, but Tempest almost always gets better with time. So uh, if you can grab more than one, grab more than one and uh, lay them down. They're, they're handily uh, labeled all over what year they came out in, so you don't have to worry about remembering. Um, I, would, I would check it out for sure. Uh, I don't have a PSA. I don't have anything else to say to you tonight. This beer is massive. I'm having a great time with it. I still have a, a maybe two mouthfuls of bone shaker there. Mm. Oh, it's so good. That was the tempest. Let's uh, let's see what happens when I have a little bone shaker and then have a bit more. Bone shaker, a notably hoppy beer. Oh yeah, that tastes like bone shaker. All right. It tastes like Bone Shaker, but somehow it's going down like Canuck. Which for a normal person would probably set alarm bells going off. But for me, it just makes me think, well, what's this going to taste like? Hmm. Oh. Oh. I get tons of the cocoa. And again, that berry quality off of the cocoa. Almost. Yeah, blackberry. From the cocoa. It doesn't taste like blackberries. It tastes like cocoa that tastes like blackberries. It's a little different. Smoky. I get way more smoke off of it after that bone shaker. That's interesting. Again, the malts are black for the most part. It's got a real smoky quality to it. Mmm. If I could reduce this down into a syrup and put it on pancakes, I would. Um, that's just food for thought and thoughts for food. <laughs> Such a dumb thing to say. Anyway, uh, that's what I got tonight. I want to go. Um, I've still got, uh, two thirds of a bottle of Amsterdam Tempest, double Tempest Imperial Stout to get through. It is massive. By the way, did I mention the finish? Long, lingering, sweet, smoky. There is a bitterness to it. Actually, that bone shaker maybe made me slightly more aware of it. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm getting juniper off that hop. It's nice. Um, what are we going to say about this beer? It's amazing. Buy it. If you're in a place where you can't, totally okay. They make it every year. Uh, they made it last year. They'll make it next year. It's a very tasty, tasty beer. Uh, at the end of the day, though, kids, it's a beer. It's not going to change the world, and uh, it's not going to change your world whether or not you can buy it. So don't feel a lot of peer pressure. Um, there are tons of really cool, interesting beers out there to be tried. As noted, Inkwell and Blackburn, both very cool Imperial Stouts as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, take a look around. Lots of interesting things. Also, a fun bottle to get. Again, a 650 ml bottle. I mean, I'm drinking it out of a stem glass here. Um, you could easily share that bottle uh, easily with four people, 
without much complaining with six. So it's a fun bottle to, uh, to share with friends. Um, if you really want to mess with people, uh, if you have some Irish friends that say they like stouts, give them a bit of that. That ain't no Guinness you're sipping doo-doo. Yeah, I know you're listening. Anyway, uh, for everybody else, have a great night. Uh, I hope the snow uh, is making you as happy as it's making me, because I'm happy with snow. And uh, even if I haven't got the snow tires on my bike and I had to drive my car to work today and there's a solid 80% chance I have to do that tomorrow, man, that sucks. I hate not riding my bicycle. Like Freddie Mercury said, I want to ride my bicycle, my bicycle, my bicycle. I want to ride something like that. Uh, it's time for me to go, kids. Have a great night. Uh, pick up some cool Imperial Stouts. Tell me all about it. If you haven't checked out Spent Grains, the beer zine, look it up on Insta at Spent Grains Zine. Zine's probably the only word you need help with there. Z-I-N-E. Get your copy. Ask your local brewery or bar if they have it in stock. If they don't, tell them where they can find it. I will thank you for that. Enjoy your Imperial Stouts, your non-Imperial Stouts, your non-Imperial Fighters. I was getting into Star Wars for a minute there, but we don't have to go there. Have a good night. Take care of each other, if you can. Uh, we all... <laughs> You notice I haven't talked about the pandemic at all, and I always do, and I'm not going to. I will just say Omicron. Let's all take care of each other. Be safe out there, and uh, I'll catch you guys in exactly seven days. We'll drink another beer. It'll be fun. Bye.